Hi, this is Steve Kelly. Thanks for tuning in for the podcast of this week's Saturday Sports Talk program with Lauren Tate and myself. And a special thanks to the folks at Kirby Wealth Management Group for their sponsorship of the podcast. We hope you enjoy Saturday Sports Talk. When it comes to financial planning, most financial companies focus on your income. At Kirby Wealth Management Group, we focus on your outcome. That's why we know what it takes to succeed both on your balance sheet and in your life. It takes the right financial partner who looks at where you are now, where you want to go, and designs a financial plan to take you there. We're here to help you achieve the life that you're after, today and every day after. Focus on your financial outcome with Kirby Wealth Management Group. To get started, visit our website at justin-kirby.com. It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are your hosts. Lauren Tate, and Steve Kelly. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on a very lovely Saturday morning, holiday weekend, with you until 11 o'clock. The phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Plenty to talk about today, including a, a basketball commitment that uh, happened on Friday night. We've got some baseball to get you updated on, we'll talk some golf. Indy 500 is tomorrow. A lot going on. Mr. Tate, how are you this morning? I'm good. How are you doing? Better now that I've seen you. You just, you just <laughs> perk me up. We're better off than the Illinois baseball team. <laughs> the Illinois baseball team Man, lost. between baseball and softball, we didn't do very good in the playoffs, did we? No, not at all. 8-1, to one, Indiana over the Illini, ending the Illinois season at 31-22. and 22. We were talking... Uh, in our pre-production meeting here before the show, uh, the Big Ten tournament was kind of tough to follow <laughs> with uh, the weather and uh, the late starts yeah. and everything because of the I weather. Mean, you lose a whole day and then you then you start a game at what four minutes till eleven. Yes, I got through the first two home runs by Michigan <laughs> when they hit the first two batters at home runs. Steve, that ought to tell you something. Yeah, so Illinois is out. Michigan uh, won that uh, late game last night against Maryland, fifteen to eight. So the Illini are out. Penn State plays Iowa today. Maryland plays Indiana. After that, I can't tell you much <laughs> because uh, it will depend on how those two games go. But uh, So I'm not sure anybody is through it um, right now undefeated. I think everybody's got one loss. Well, maybe Penn State. No, they lost. So, yeah, there's a lot up, to, up for grabs in the Big Ten tournament, no yeah. doubt. And that's going on out in Omaha. We mentioned a uh, basketball transfer portal catch for Illinois. Brad Underwood, Matthew Meyer, the uh, 6'9 product out of Baylor who was in the NBA draft. He pulled out last week, and he announced on his Instagram account last night that Illinois is his next destination. Yeah, he, he was interviewed by a, a you know an interviewer down at Baylor, and and said that he's coming to Illinois. I think he caught the, the interviewer by surprise because he thought, as many of us did, that he was going to North Carolina. And there was a report out that he was going to North Carolina, and he said that was false. He, he said he never said he was going to North Carolina and that 
that report just uh, you know caught everybody uh, caught some people off base and and I was one of them I thought you know when they announced that down there I thought that they probably knew something but there are two main reasons that I see why he came to the University of Illinois one playing time he he mentioned he played 15 minutes as a substitute on the championship team 2 years ago and this past year he uh, he played 22 or 23 minutes and uh, Scott Drew is playing like eight, nine guys, kind of dividing the – and really, um, I think he wants more than, than that. He only averaged about uh, – he, he didn't average 10 points a game either year. 9.8 last year, yeah. Just barely shy, yeah. And uh, the other thing is he mentioned NIL twice, mm-hmm. and I think Illinois is way ahead of some schools in the NIL business. I mean, I'm writing about this on uh, – Sunday about uh, Michigan State's uh, not doing any much in the transfer portal, I think, because Izzo doesn't like it. And uh, I think that the NIL is a big part of that, Steve, and getting guys to transfer. And if you are a, a margin, I don't want to call him a marginal player. He's a starter, okay, this year. This is the only year he's a starter. But he's probably not going to get as much uh, thrown at him as a fifth-year guy at Baylor, as he will as a first-year guy at Illinois, which desperately needs a guy like that, and it seems to be well organized with the Guardians uh, having nearly uh, you know 250 to 300 people at their Decatur meeting this past week and at $100 a piece, and, and they've taken in a lot of money so far, and they're definitely in the NIL business, and they don't have to worry about Kofi anymore. Yeah, we're going to talk about that with Brad Sturdy coming up at 9.30, and that and – the decision of uh, Matthew Meyer to come to Illinois. He considered uh, North Carolina, Texas Tech, and Memphis, and actually said Texas Tech was second yeah, in his did. decision. And uh, the radio show you mentioned uh, was last night. It was with Mark Mosley, the Mark Mosley Show, on Baylor Radio in Waco, Texas. And I've got some comments from uh, Matthew Meyer on his decision to come to Illinois. Illinois ended up being the place for me. I wanted to go to a different conference. I obviously didn't want to disrespect Coach Drew or Baylor in any way because I have, I have nothing but respect for everybody over there. But, I mean, Illinois, they've just just—they've got everything. They've got um, – I was actually just in Illinois for uh, for a month doing the, the pre-draft stuff. So I know a lot about the state. And uh, they've got amazing facilities. Um, I know the NIL is good up there. And we've got a team that <clears throat> I think could really shock some people. So it was uh, – it just looked like an awesome decision for me. I obviously know Terrence Shannon. He's a great player that I've been playing against since uh, I was a sophomore. I think he's underrated. Uh, people kind of forget about him, it seems like, and when you're talking about some of the best players in the country. So, um, But as far as the team, I mean, I could go on. Dane Danger's obviously there. Guy Clark's going to be a top point guard. They've got, they've got a lot of talent. And um, so I think, you know, I'm just going to go there and do my best when it's a basketball school. Um, Big Ten is a great conference. It's right up there with the Big 12. Uh, I mean, really, there, there wasn't anything I didn't like about it. So it, it was, a, I wouldn't say an easy decision, but it, it became apparent that that was what I wanted to do. One of the things that was kind of interesting was I actually had to finish my degree still. I still have some classes left. And um, so he actually pulled some strings, and I'm able to still finish that out. So I'm still actually in Waco doing classes until July 8th, and then um, I'll go up to Illinois. But that that just shows how great of a guy Coach Drew is. Like, even though he knows I'm going to a different school, he's still taking care of me. Even, like, we might play against them, and uh, 
it's just all love. So that that really shows what kind of people are at Baylor. That's Matthew Meyer, who is coming to Illinois, as you heard him say there. He's going to finish up some classes in Waco at Baylor and come here in early July, July the 8th. Yeah, I think probably the whole Illinois team otherwise will be here throughout June practicing uh, on their own or and, and, you know, with oversee uh, by Fletcher, who will be – Fletcher will be giving them plenty of weight training. and um, So he'll be arriving late, but uh, he'll, he'll be a factor. He'll be a starter for Illinois without a doubt. Let's go to the phones. That line is open. Alan is with us. Hey, Alan, what's on your mind this morning? Morning, guys. Uh, it does, uh, you know, since uh, he uh, left Baylor and made uh, compliments about him, it makes you wonder why he left. I don't think he was happy with the playing time. I mean, I, I think that's fairly obvious. I think also the NIL is much better here, and I think he'll make – he says he wants to stay in, in – he, he, I, I'm just sure that the playing time was was very much on his mind when he got when he entered the portal, but he also entered the NBA draft and he intended to, I think he intended to play professionally and he hurt himself in the combine, and uh, and and didn't impress uh, because he said because of the injury he couldn't do what he wanted to do so, uh, so he's he's been, he's like. Uh, Hundreds of other guys that got in the portal. They're just everybody wants to be somewhere else. That's all I can tell you. Yeah, and I've got some uh, another uh, soundbite with him talking about that very subject, the NIL and and such. Anything else, Alan? Yeah, is uh, Hutchinson and Granderson still on the team? We don't think so. Uh, Hutcherson's still in the NBA draft, by the way. His name is still in, but um, okay, I don't expect. I think him. both names are still in, aren't they? I haven't seen Grandison. Is he in the? I don't. I don't. Uh, the the sixteen players that I had from the Big Ten that mm-hmm. were in the draft, I did not have Grandison. Okay, but is uh, are we still going to need Nance? I don't well, know if we don't. Need we don't have not. a. We don't have a backup for center unless you think that uh, Coleman Hawkins can do it. I'm talking defensively well, now. That's what I thought. I we could use a backup, or he could play forward, forward, center. Steve said something to me this morning, though, that you go, how, how do you find a guy that can go in and play against the big guy at Purdue or the big guy at Michigan? Yeah, the good thing about that is there aren't many of those guys you have to play against. There's more yeah. more teams kind of with stretch fives, if yeah. you will. And, yeah. Uh, uh, but, yeah, uh, uh, Dickinson's a problem, and uh, the guy at Purdue's a problem, too. But uh, it raises some questions. We just had a text, uh, somebody saying, uh, with the commitment of Meyer, does that push Hawkins to the five as the starter? Uh, don't know the answer to that. I don't think so. I don't think so either. I I think he'll still be the. He might back up the five. Right. But I I, I see I see Hawkins as a four. And I, I want to tell you that Shannon and Meyer both see themselves as wings. Right. Neither sees himself as a four, and neither sees himself as a one. They're somewhere in between. Right. They 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 both consider themselves as wings, two three players, and I think they'll probably both start there. And and the reason I think somebody's that gonna have to back, what's that? Somebody's going to have to back up Debo for the center, the Baylor guy. I'm sorry. Are you, you talking about Danger? Danger. Yeah. Yeah, Danger. Somebody's going to have to back him up. Yeah. Well, I think Hawkins will do that. Be forced to do that unless we get somebody. But we were in okay. pretty good shape with Nance. I mean, I just don't know whether Nance is going to feel like he's got. Open playing time here. We'll find out more about that right. when we talk to, to Brad Sturdy coming up as well. 
Alan, appreciate the call. Thank Thanks, you very guys. much. Nine eleven. Here's uh, another uh, sound bite uh, with Matthew Meyer. For most players, unless you're probably a top ten pick or a lottery pick, something like that, your main goal is to to get in the door and and when you're in the door to be ready. So like guys that are leaving early and being second round picks when uh, they could have stayed for a year or two more and developed. Uh, I think that hurts them in the long run because they might be out of the league in one or two years. And it's way harder to get back in the league than to get in the league from college. So um, something that helps a lot is NIL. Uh, it makes it a lot more comfortable for players to want to stay because it doesn't feel like it's either, you know, rags or riches. It's like, I'm going to be good regardless. And I can take my time if I want to, I can be sure when I go, I'm ready. So, uh, that's definitely helped me this year because uh, if it wasn't for that, I, I might have left. So it, it just help, I think it helps everybody uh, not feel so forced and they can choose on yeah. their own time. He mentioned the NIL. He did not mention what that package might be, and we don't know either. But um, And he also mentioned that playing in the Big Ten was a factor as well. He, he said that in the earlier soundbite of, of you know getting a little different look and a different conference. By the way, before we get off NIL, do you see where Sky Clark has got got a deal with? Uh, I don't know what this is. Is uh, Rock Nation Sports? I'm not familiar with what it is, but it, but he's got a an NIL deal. It was at least it was announced, and I just read about it this morning, which uh, probably is uh, part of the reason he's coming here. Was that announced by Rock Nation Sports or who? I, I don't know. I saw it on Twitter, and yeah. it, you know, I don't. It may not be. Uh, you know, I think it's accurate. I, I don't know why anybody would announce something like that if it wasn't uh, true. We'll check that out as we uh, move along. So we're off and running. Here's our guest lineup on the show. Coming up after our first time out, we're going to talk a little golf with uh, Mike Small. He just uh, was playing this weekend in the uh, actually started Thursday in the Senior PGA Championship up at Benton, Harden, Benton Harbor, Michigan. He missed the cut. He shot 78-75, missed the cut. But he's going to visit with us a little bit about that, about uh, the way his team wrapped up uh, the season, uh, winning their seventh straight Big Ten championship, and the opening a week from today of the Atkins Golf Club at uh, the University of Illinois over in uh, the Stone Creek subdivision. We'll talk about that as well. And then coming up at 9.30, Brad Sturdy will be with us to talk about uh, Matthew Meyer and other basketball-related Items at 10 o'clock, leading off hour number two, Will Leach. Talk some baseball with him and whatever else is on his mind. And there's a lot of things floating around in the mind of Will Leach. We'll tap into that. Then at 10.30, our friend Mike Kuhn, who is one of the our local go-to guys on the Indianapolis 500. And he's been going to them uh, now for 30 years. He's going to join us, talk a little bit about tomorrow's Indy 500. In the meantime, the phone line will be open and we'll take our first time out. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, back after this. The Pella Window Showroom in Champaign specializes in windows and doors. Illini Pella can help you select the right window and door for your project, whether it's for replacements, remodeling, or new construction. Right now, they ask that you plan further ahead to allow more time to get your windows and doors in stock. Labor and material shortages are causing some extended lead times. Illini Pella, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. Pellaofchampaign.com. It is 9-16. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We're with you until 11 o'clock this morning. 
start off with some basketball recruiting conversation. We'll talk more about uh, the commitment of Matthew Mayer, a transfer from Baylor, coming up at 9.30 with Brad Sturdy. We'll continue that conversation. All right now we're going to talk some golf, some Illinois golf, and golf otherwise with our favorite golf expert, Mike Small, is with us on the telephone. Good morning, Smalley. How are you? Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Lauren. Good morning. Pre- appreciate your time. I know you're... You're very busy, and you got in late. Uh, you played uh, the last couple of days up in Michigan at the uh, Senior PGA Championship and had rounds of 78 and 75. Unfortunately, didn't make the cut and got back late, but just want you to know that I appreciate you spending a few minutes with us this morning. You doing all right? I'm doing fine, thanks. No. Um, Steve, i got a bad echo here. Can you hear that? I cannot, but we'll try to figure that out as we go along. Is it, is it bothering you a lot here? Well, let me let me start to through this here. I'm hearing myself second after I talk, but um, yeah, up in up in had an had an open week, Steve. I didn't uh, didn't expect that open week. Didn't expect to uh, to have that opened after the team struggled getting in the NCAA finals this week. So I decided to use my exemption and head up and play some golf. And it was uh, it was a fun experience to see some of the guys again compete at the major on the senior tour, but um, did not have my game. Struggled bus all week, and it was. It was not a pleasant way to uh, to spend the week, especially after uh, happening at regionals for our team. So it's been a, it's been a tough couple of weeks, but we'll get over it and get back to work here. And I'm in the office this morning, actually, trying to get back and uh, swing at things and knock some stuff off my list. You actually kind of made me chuckle the other day when I sent you a text and uh, to see if you'd be available uh, for this interview on Saturday morning and kind of forgetting that you were playing up there, and you said you were currently in Michigan trying to relocate your golf game. <laughs> <laughs> and unless you unless you went really low, he'd be available. But uh, it, I chuckled because golf has that effect on, on everybody. It doesn't matter what level you get to, right? You're, you're always looking for it. That's right. That's right. It's always fun to compete. It's fun to go see what you have. Um, that's the fun of competing. You're not really sure what's going to happen, but – no, I wasn't. I wasn't prepared, but I thought maybe I could wing it, and I've been successful out there before in some events. So I thought I'd go try it. Had the off week, like I said, so it was something that uh, I thought I'd give it a shot, and it didn't turn out well. But uh, I'll, I'll be better for it, and we'll continue to work. But um, you know, back in the swing of things, now I got some guys still on campus. We've been finishing up um, season-ending meetings and um, kind of consultations, if you will, after the way the season ended. And uh, I got a couple more to do today and tomorrow, and then uh, and then back on the recruiting trail. Well, uh, before we get off your plane, uh, uh, do you have any other um, events coming up this season, this summer? I do. Um, and week after next is, the, is another uh, Champions Tour event up in Wisconsin. Steve hosts one of the best events on the tour up in Wisconsin. He has, he has me up every year, and I've played there well in the past. And that was part of the motivation of going up to the senior PGA was at least I got a week to knock some rust off and see where my game is. and. Um, get some work in and, and see if I can get ready for Wisconsin in the week after next. Okay, I'll take you back to the to the playoffs uh, and the team didn't play as well as you had hoped. Uh, what what happened in your view after what was it thirteen something like thirteen straight uh, seven, 12, twelve out of thirteen seven straight twelve out of thirteen yeah twelve out of thirty okay what what, what happened <laughs> we talked a lot about that and. Uh, the law of averages caught up with us, I think, maybe. But um, we were playing pretty well this spring. We had a good progression going all the way since February. Got a little better every week. Won a, won a few times there at the end of the spring. And mm-hmm. But, Lauren, we didn't play great at the Big Ten Championships. We mm-hmm. didn't um, We didn't bring, uh, I guess, the closing mentality and the ability to uh, to show up for an event um, as a favorite 
and um, and put our pedal down and, and compete. And and for some reason, we just kind of stalled out there. We still won. We still pulled it out at the end because I think I think our guys know how to win and they know how to, you know, that they've had that in their mind and they've just been there before. But something was something wasn't right, and we talked about it and talked about it. if we don't get on our game and and get on point, anything can happen at regionals. And um, it just seemed like we were just kind of in, stuck in the mud a little bit for whatever reason. I tried hard as heck and discussed and and um, competed and um, just tried to uh, you know find find our games. And it just it just wasn't meant to be. We were kind of you know walking uphill all week and. And at the last round, we just didn't come out with the fire and, and power that we usually have, and um, we got we got snipped. And it's something the guys were, you know, they, they were pretty crushed and devastated. But um, that's part of competition. That's part of getting better. And I think uh, with the entire te- entire team coming back next year, and having this experience and seeing what can happen if you're not prepared to play and you're not you don't have that edge to compete, um, um, I think that's going to be a bonus next year. I think I think now that uh, they'll all get better this summer, they'll continue to grow their games individually. Hey, hey, guys, that that echo's gone now, so that's good. Yeah, we've been working on that behind the scenes. <laughs> all right, good. Now that was kind of that was kind of tough, but um, but no, I, you know, it, I, I think it's going to be beneficial because we're going to see what can happen if you don't come prepared every day, um, every tournament, and play from a point of strength. And um, um, you know we're still a young team, had some success. I mean, you know, I guess any other team in the country, if you finish 17th and 20th in the rankings, you win your conference, you win three times, or you know, during the season, four times. Um, I guess that'd be a good season. But under our standards, we all left knowing that's not. And I think these guys got a little burr in their in their saddle, and they want to come back next year and and um, and and start a new streak, if you will. And that's something that uh, we've talked about, and I think they will. So we're going to turn this negative into a positive and, and, and move on from here. But um, it's something I think this team should be proud of and this program they're proud of is what they've done last 13 years, the second longest streak, but uh, active streak. But again, those are those those end, and now it's time to, time to reload and come back stronger than ever. You mentioned some uh, season-ending interviews uh, yet to do. Then, then what happens? Were the guys kind of spread out uh, this summer and play all over the place? They do. They do. Jerry G's even back in Europe this week. He, he got an exemption into a, into a European tour event, the DP World Tour. So he went back and played this week um, trying to figure out if he should do that. And we met last week uh, for a couple hours trying to figure it out. And, and we came to the conclusion, I was very strongly behind that he should go play. He should. Uh, he didn't have a very good spring or a very good year under his standards. Um, and he needed to continue to grow. He just can't go in a hole and hide. So he went and played and, 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 and played solidly. He, um, you know, he it's it, it's a good chance to play in these in these worldwide events and, and engage your game and see where the competition is and I think other guys on our team are going to do the same thing maybe not at that level, but at top amateur events um, around the world and um, I know our Europeans will go back and play there and then uh, they'll all come back into the states in in July August and play the the Western AM USAM and some top amateur events but it's important these kids continue to compete and develop their games all summer this is when this is when college players really see improvement. They take what they've learned all year in the in the in the aspect of team golf and, and being coached every day. They take it and then they take responsibility and ownership all summer and go compete and try to impart you know impart and, and and apply what they learned all year and, and grow and build confidence. And this is why the summer schedule is so important in amateur golf. And um, you know that starts next week. Uh, Mike, I'll ask you a question. You probably know more about this than you than you may want to talk about, but. I, I, we talk so much about NIL for the major sports, I mean, uh, for the money sports. 
what what's it like for golf and, and uh, as far as NIL? Are are your players able to get involved in that? Yes, yes, they are. They don't have to follow the same rules as uh, as football and basketball. I don't think it's obviously going to be at that level, but uh, it's gonna it's gonna impact golf. It really is around the country. I've been talking to some coaches and programs, and it depends how um, how important or aggressive or um, uh, you know how how much um, people want to support a program, and if those programs in those parts of the country or those schools really get behind golf, it's going to be a very competitive arena. Again, not to the level of football and basketball, obviously, but it's going to be competitive where I think uh, kids will obviously will benefit. And I've always been a believer that all student athletes, I mean, actually all students, should 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 have the ability to uh, to capitalize on their name, image, and likeness, and that's the American way. Um, to what level is all dependent on them and uh, the success they have. But this is uh, this is going to be kind of confusing for for me because I'm getting into it. Obviously, football and basketball have been doing it for a while now. Golf's just getting into it, so we got to figure out where we stand and how we uh, how we can compete yet still get the kids that want to come here and be at Illinois um, and get an education from Illinois, which is important to me, and be an Illini, not just search out the money. And I don't think that's going to be a situation for golf or the minor sports. I think it's going to be a combination of both, but it's going to be important uh, for this program to find the right mix when, when, when that time does come. Talking to Mike Small, a couple of more minutes with the Illini golf coach. A week from today, the Atkins golf course at the University of Illinois opens in Urbana. Um, tell us about uh, that. You've had a chance to see it. I'm, I'm guessing you've played it a little bit and maybe some of your guys have too, but uh, tell us what, uh, we, the average golfer, can expect when that uh, opens up. Well, we're excited about it, Steve, and I haven't had the, really the opportunity to get out there much. I've been so busy on the road for the last probably six or seven weeks. I think I was home maybe three weekends since the end of March. Right. But um, um, it and, and the weather's been so bad this spring. But Nate out there, the superintendent, has done a great job, and he's been kind of handcuffed by the weather. Um, but it's going to be great. And uh, Jim in the pro shop does a great job, and you know Jackie Simoniak, our our operations director um, has done a wonderful job getting that place ready, but um, it's going to be an exciting time for the community, exciting time for our program. Um, it's something that we can continue to now showcase and, and show recruits that we have access to a 7,500 yard championship golf course on campus or on in town that we can control and kind of run ourselves and, and kind of condition the way we want to condition it. So that's from a, from a selfish point of view, that's something that I'm excited about that we can get this course ready um, to help train our guys and to, you know, to complement our, our on-campus facilities. But for the community to have a place that's going to have an Illini flavor and, um, you know, the goal is, is, to, is to have a top-shelf public public accessible golf course out there. And that's something that, that, that I know the department wants to have and I know that's something we've talked about. And so we can satisfy both venues or, or both, um, both arenas. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And um, this week's got some festivities with the grand opening and, and – um, it's just it's just gonna be it's 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 due it's time to it's, it's time to have something like that on campus and we're excited about it. Lauren and I have made uh, an executive decision. <laughs> we are not going to play it from seventy five hundred. Nor would you let us play it from that that, that distance. But uh, oh, but there, there's there's tease for everybody, right? There is no. I mean, you can play it at fifty five hundred yards. I mean, there's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna be wonderful golf course for all ages, Steve. I just bring that up for myself because sure. in town we can't find that. Right. Um, you know, the national championships at 73, 7,400 yards. And, and these kids are hitting it so far. And, um, and the courses in town are great. 
Uh, we love it. It's a great, they're great condition. They're great for us to go play. But when we got guys driving par fours all the time, it doesn't prepare us a lot uh, to go play some of these, um, these these venues we go at on the national level. So selfishly, to have a place where it's going to challenge our guys and hit some more some more challenging shots and some more longer irons into par fours is going to be fun. And um, we've already scheduled a, a spring event next year. Seven Big Ten teams and two MAC teams are going to come into town the week before the Big Ten Championship next oh, spring of April. And uh, and play at Atkins Golf Club, and you know that's something that um, I think these, these teams respect us and know know that we're going to run something right, and the course is going to be it's going to be a good test, and it's something that we can also bring golf to the community. That's something I've wanted to do forever, but um, it hasn't been um, possible, and now it is with the golf course and uh, and how we can set it up, and um, so it's going to be fun for the community next year to have an an Illini golf tournament in in, in town. Yeah, that's that's one thing that. Uh that we've uh, we golf fans really haven't had a chance and it's not it's not only golf but uh, you don't get a chance to you don't play golf dual matches anymore where you you can come out and watch everything's a multi-team event right that's exactly right and that's that's kind of why the opportunities for people to see their, their their schools and hometowns have gone down oh nationally even i mean it's just you have 15 teams 10, 10 9 to 15 teams show up every every week and you have those head-to-heads that are accumulated through stroke play that week so that's how you accumulate the head-to-head um, winning percentage for the end of the year so that's why it is but um this is an opportunity for us to to uh connect with our our fans in town and uh in front of our students and family and it's gonna be fun for our guys next spring so now again that's a year away but that season is now upon us so uh it's, it's gonna it's gonna be exciting you mentioned uh, steve stricker he was unable to play to uh, play in the pga senior championship after testing positive for uh, covid recently how's he doing He's doing fine. I, I texted him on uh, on Wednesday when he when he withdrew, um, or Tuesday it was. I think he, he let people know, but uh, yeah, he kind he contracted it um, when he won the major, the regions, uh, the, uh, one of the one of the majors on the Champions Tour the week before from the media um, after the event, and um, um, he wasn't feeling great, but uh, he was trying to hold on, maybe get cleared to to come play, but it didn't work out time wise. So uh, unfortunate for Steve, he would have been in contention this week up there, obviously, and. But um, he did the right thing, and uh, he'll he'll be ready to host his event uh, in a week. Smaller, we appreciate your time. We'll see you out there at Adkins uh, coming up this week, and uh, looking forward to it. Thanks for taking time with us. Always, guys. Thanks for the call, and we'll see you soon. You bet. That's Illini golf coach Mike Small with us, fresh back off the road from the PGA Senior Championship up in uh, Michigan. Missed the cut after shooting 78-75. Another guy that uh, was playing in that, I don't know if this name will ring a bell with you or not, Lauren, but it might after I tell you. Uh, Mario Tiziani is Steve Stricker's brother-in-law and agent and sometimes caddy. By his wife's brother, and his wife is still caddying for him too. Yes, but uh, Mario played in the same event. Mm -hmm. Uh, He missed the cut by a shot. He was Mm -hmm. four over par, so... uh, he just turned 50 not too long ago, so he's uh, trying his hand at playing as well as being uh, uh, Steve Stricker's agent as well. 9.32, we'll take a break. We'll talk more basketball with uh, Brad Sturdy coming up. The phone lines will be open. Feel free to join us. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk continues after this. Moving up on 9.35, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, Memorial Day holiday weekend around the country. And we're glad you're with us this morning. 217-356-9397 is the number if you'd like to uh, join us to talk about anything that we've talked about so far or anything else. You mentioned, Lauren, uh, 
Sky Clark having an NIL deal with Rock Nation. Well, Rock Nation was started, according to uh, the research of our executive producer, Dave Leak, started in uh, 2013 by Jay-Z, the entertainer, and it focuses on elevating sports careers with endorsement deals. Some Hmm. of the clients include uh, Des Bryant, Lamilo Ball, Robinson Cano, some of those type of athletes. So uh, that's your educational update on Rock Nation. Let's say good morning to Brad Sturdy from IlliniGuys.com, another busy guy. We had Mike Small on. He's been traveling around and playing, and Bradley's busy with basketball recruiting and coaching his high school softball team. How are you doing this morning, Brad? Good. How are you guys? Good. How'd your game go last night? Uh, let's skip that one. <laughs> oh, oops. Is the season over, unfortunately? Yeah, lost in the sectional championship. We had a rough day, and it, it happens, and single nation tournament um, just didn't, didn't hit well enough and, and fell. Good loss to a you know, team that just had a better day. Yeah, but what were you, 26-3? and three? Again, I mean, another outstanding team, right, yeah. down to Tri-City? Yeah, yeah, obviously. Good year. You know, you win a regional and get to the sectional finals, go 26-3, and three, win your conference. Like, you know, it's all relative, right? Yep. Let's talk about uh, Matthew Mayer from Baylor, a name that certainly has been out there a while in the transfer portal. And uh, last night he made uh, the announcement himself that he's coming to Illinois. Tell us your thoughts about uh, him as a player and uh, this whole process of the way things are going with the with the NIL and the transfer portal. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's a dynamic kid, 6'9". He's athletic. He can. He's very, very skilled. Um, he can shoot it. He can, you know, put the ball on the floor and get to the basket. He's very long. He's a, a good defender. Illinois feels like he could play literally anywhere from, you know, two guard to five at, at times, depending on matchups. I mean, he's just got that kind of uh, versatility. And you throw him with – versatile guys like, you know, Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins and, you know, uh, R.J. Melendez on the – Ty Rogers on the wings. Just a really dynamic group of wings um, that Illinois has uh, put together for next season. Well, do you see him um, – you, you you do see Mayer and Shannon on the in the lineup together, right? Oh, certainly, yes. And so – if you played Hawkins at the four, that means that they'd have to play the two three. I mean that, I mean that's the way it falls. I mean I don't think Hawkins is going to play the five, although he'll probably have to back up there if they don't get somebody. But uh, but do you expect Danger to start at the center? Yeah, I think so. I think there's a lot to, have to play out still. I mean we'll see what happens um, with some of the other guys still out there, um, and you know you know. It, Obviously, Pete Nance has a huge decision um, in the next few days um, that he has to make. Um, and, you know, but I think, um, yeah, I, I think Danger, they're really high on Dane Danger. They are very high on his abilities, versatility, and feel like he can be a guy who can really create for others from a five spot, um, like a Travion Williams did at Purdue, and also maybe like a Cameron Crutwig did at Loyola against Illinois, you know, a couple of years ago. So, um, because or and, and take people off the dribble, but then you throw in a, you know, Hawkins is versatile, can play the four or the five. I, I think, especially against uh, in certain matchups, you know, when they don't have mm-hmm. a, you know, you wouldn't want him guarding Kofi Coburn, but at, at the same time, a lot of guys aren't like that, you know, in in college basketball anymore. So, um, you know, so I think they can play all those guys together. You've got R.J. Melendez too, who's going to be right there for a lot of playing time. You know, I could even see them. You know, I could see Hawkins come off the bench too. 
Um, I could see him start. I could see him. And there's so many. They have a lot of versatility, a lot of options now, and that that's something they're going to have to figure out over the next five months. Uh, what do you hear on Pete Nance? We we heard back in you know back uh, a month or two ago, or maybe longer, that he was really seriously considering Illinois. Do you know what else he's considering? Is has he pulled out of the out of the draft yet? No, I think that's it. it he's looking to get kind of some sort of. Uh, he's doing some workouts still and trying to get that guarantee where he can get a two-way contract, an opportunity in the NBA. If he can get that, then he, you know, he'll probably stay in the NBA draft. And, you know, he's got a lot, obviously he's got good connections with NBA teams because of his, you know, because of his family connections. Mm-hmm. So I think if, if, if he's able to get that two-way contract, he'll probably stay in the draft. But if not, then I think uh, Illinois is a really uh, attractive option for him. And uh, it'd be, uh, man, you just have so much depth in your front court then and, um, a lot of you know a lot of uh, talent there to, to kind of work around. Well, when you say when you talk about um, depth, I often wonder um, what that means to the players because the reason I think that Mayor and you can comment on this came to Illinois is because of the depth at at Baylor and he wasn't getting the playing time that he wanted. I know he he made a point that he only got 15 minutes as a, on that championship team two years ago and he, and he only got 23 minutes this year. Um, I just wonder if that is satisfactory for him to, to not get more minutes than that. And I wonder, all those players, when you throw them in there, somebody's going to be on the bench. Yeah, there's no question. I, I think that's the hard part. It's a competition. Some guys are going to play. Some guys aren't going to play. Um, and there's no, you know, we've never seen Brad Underwood go with like a 10-man rotation. You know, so there's a lot of – there's probably there always going to be unhappy people. I mean, I think that's part of it. You know, some people play, some people don't play. I, I don't think there's, but there's, there's, but it's hard to recruit someone and say, hey, I, hey, we need somebody to come in and play like five minutes a game <laughs> or play a little more if somebody gets hurt. You know what I mean? That's not a, you, you can't really do that. So I think they're just going to, you know, roll the ball out, see what happens, go through practices and see who earns those minutes. I, I think that Meyer can, is a kid um, who can really do that. Um, he's a kid who can, um, you know, he can earn those minutes. He plays defense. He, he's been at Baylor. He knows how to play defense. Obviously if, uh, you wouldn't play, you wouldn't play if you didn't play defense at Baylor. So, um, but yeah, he can score and, and he's going to be a really versatile guy and I can see them moving him around to get him those minutes. And, you know, at the end of the day, the other guy we haven't mentioned is even Luke Goody, who's a really good shooter and he can play the three or the four. And so, you just so much versatility on the wing, and and it's going to be fun to see how they how it all shakes out. Talking to Brad Sturdy from Illini guys, both of us, both Lord and I, uh, this morning have said uh, Matthew Meyer's name, Mayer, a time or two. Have I done that again? Well, that's I think I did it too once or twice, but uh, it's uh, spelled Mayer, pronounced Meyer. So we'll get used to that as we move along. Um, yeah. And you you guys, Illini guys. I uh, got together a little bit um, with Illini Guardians this week for a, a event over in Decatur. Tell us more about that and how that went and what was the purpose of that. Yeah, we were trying to, you know, Illini Guardians put together an event um, there in uh, Macon County trying to uh, get some more donors, um, some people to help out with the program because, we, as we know, NIL is a big part of it now. Um, there is um, finding deals for these guys and having collective there. Um, to, to have money for those for those kids to do their you know so they get paid when they do you know radio shows or when they do a podcast or whatever so these kids are, are doing an appearance or whatever it is they can get paid a little bit 
Um, and I think it really, uh, that collective is really huge and, and every school is going to have one. And, uh, Atlanta guardians, uh, started last fall and, uh, you know, they, they've been, they're doing a really good job, uh, in the early stages of this NIL world. And Atlanta guys has partnered with them. Um, you can get, uh, w- at certain levels, I think it's the, uh, one at certain tiers, uh, above like $2,500 a year. You can, you, you get an Atlanta guys subscription with that too. And, Obviously, we have a lot of the Illini Guardians on our – we have them on the radio show, and we have them, you know, through podcasts and things like that. So um, I think that's uh, – they're they're an important kind of grassroots campaign, and um, they had both uh, Brett Bielema and Brad Underwood and, and Josh Whitman actually um, speaking on Monday night. So it tells you that they're very tied into the program, and, uh, you know, it's very important for these coaches to have this, uh, this I, I guess, resource available to them. As they go throughout in the uh, out in the uh, basketball recruiting world, well, one of the one of the great things about the NIL, I guess, is that you can basically use it as a recruiting tool. I mean, who's kidding who? That this is happening, it's it's actually inducement, and it, it would stand to reason to me to believe that a guy like Meyer could get more as a recruited athlete here than he could as a fifth-year guy staying at uh, Baylor. I mean, I, I think that we, we find that we're going to see a bunch of guys, newcomers to, the, to different squads, whether freshmen or transfers, who are getting more in NIL because they're getting it to induce them to come than the guys who are already on the team and are starters. I think that's true. going to be true of football and true of basketball too. What do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. I think there's some money. There's uh, guys that are, you know, kind of going through this process. That's the one thing where the transfer portal in NIL is kind of scary because you have a guy who's good and he goes out there. He can just go, you know, he can kind of look at where he, where the landscape is. And that, that guy who's transferring can get a little extra. Yeah. Um, obviously, it doesn't mean you're going to like it at the new place. Maybe it won't be good. But um, And, and I do think it, in, in uh, Myers' uh, thing, too, you know, a lot of people talk about North Carolina, but let's be honest. I mean, he was going to be with the guys that they had returned, whether it's NIL, whether it's on the floor, he's going to be the fourth option for them. And mm-hmm. uh, behind those two guards, you shoot all the time, and then, you know, bake out the big kid. So at Illinois, I mean, there's not that. You know, I mean, you know, he's got an opportunity to come in and be, you know, he could be option one. I mean, he could be option, you know, I don't know who option one's going to be next year. Is it going to be Sky Clark, RJ Melendez? You know, I, I don't know. Dane Danger, Coleman. I mean, I don't know where it's going to come from yeah. at this point. Terrence Shannon, exactly. So we we don't know who's the number one option. It could be it could be Meyer at the end of the day. Talking to Brad Sturdy, uh, you know, a lot of coaches, even Brad Underwood has said at times that uh, he's not crazy about this the way things are going with the transfer portal and NIL. That's fine, and and Tom Izzo has been outspoken about it. But uh, okay, so maybe you're not crazy, but it's a reality. It's here, and you better figure out how to do it, and it uh, it's starting to sh- look to me like Brad Underwood's figuring out how to do it. Yeah, yeah, you know it's it's funny. Uh, people, the coaches are going to complain about these things because it makes their lives hard. I mean, you know, there isn't a downtime now. You know, you are in the midst of re- heavy recruiting right now. When in the normal times, you, you have dead periods. You know, and and you have times when you can maybe take a vacation, take a break, and and do these things. Well, now you don't have that. It, it's twelve months, you know, twelve months a year, you know, whatever, seven seven days a week, twenty four hours a day, basically. So it, it is nonstop, and so obviously they're not going to love that because they used to have a little bit more downtime. And so the coaches are going to play about. But here's the deal: 
the coaches that they, they complain about recruiting for years. I mean, this and that, you know, we, we go back to the, you know, Bruce Weber complained about recruiting and the things, you, you know, going through that. But at the end of the day, the difference is that the coaches that want to win are going to do what they have to do to win. And, and then Brad Underwood is that guy. He's going to do what he needs to do. You know, he may not love the transfer portal. And he'd rather have high school kids every year and develop them. But he understands that if you're going to keep winning every year, um, you, you've got to go through the transfer portal. And you've got to do that. Yeah, and if you're going to bring in seniors, which we're bringing in two guys that are on their fifth year, right? Shannon and, My- and yep. Meyer are, are done after this year. You've got to replace them next year. Of course, he's already recruiting high school players for that, but I imagine yeah. there will be some transfers involved too. Yeah, I, I think Shannon actually could stay two years could if, he? It, if it works out. Yeah, I think he has two years left. But, yeah, a Meyer would definitely be done after this year. But, um, yeah, so you've got to recruit for the future and the present. And, you know, you got to figure out the hard part is like, okay, do I want to take a kid this year? Do I have him, you know, in a backup role? Or do I want to wait and see what I can get in the transfer portal? Because I can probably get a, you know, if, you, if you're looking at a, a project big, I could probably get a backup big man in the transfer portal every year, you know, who maybe not is a great player, but I can find him. You know, a 6'9", 6'10", kid who averaged, you know, nine and six at, you know, I don't know, Southwestern something state, you know, so I can find a kid who can come in and play, you know, 10, 12 minutes a game. Uh, who wants to take a shot at a high major. The problem is, you know, do you want to take a scholarship, give it to a guy who's developmental and you don't know if in a year he's going to be able to play because he hasn't done it. So it's a tough call. It's a, there's a balancing act. So I think they're looking for more impact guys. And when you look at their high school recruiting, this the past few this year especially you you see guys these are all guys who are going to come in and make an impact um, in some way. What about uh, are there any twenty twenty two guys, high school guys that are still on the radar that could possibly uh, find themselves here in the fall? Yeah, there are. There's actually um, a couple of kids, a kid from Canada and a kid from New Zealand. Um, uh, bigger kids, you know, six nine. One of uh, the kid from New Zealand actually is at a prep school out east. Um, and uh, he is a dynamic athlete, um, Just, but he hasn't played against really good competition until this year. He came over here in January and playing through AAU circuit. I think he's been moved, moved up into the top 50 now. He's kind of come out of nowhere. Of course, I only knew about him. They were recruiting him before this, and they've given him an offer. And um, uh, Tafare, I believe, it's a, it's a strange name. Um, but uh, I, I got to see him play a little bit in April. Um, and uh, he's really dynamic, got a lot of potential. He's probably a year away, though, you know, probably take a year. And he's playing as a 2023 now, but he'll reclass to 2022. And then there's a kid from Canada who has a connection with uh, Chester Frazier as well, um, who is uh, uh, who they haven't offered yet, but he's 6'9", kind of smooth shooting, and he's been under the radar a little bit. And he's a kid that probably um, would, would be a 2022 and come in and probably take a year of, you know, weight training and, and things, working with Fletch, and he could be an impact guy in his second year. And so that's, I think, what you're going to get at this point in the uh, in the high school ranks. You're looking for those guys who have kind of emerged over the course of the year and, and have a lot of potential to be good down the road, and, and that's kind of, a, kind of a developmental guy. We'll let you go with this. Uh, some of the freshmen have been here for the uh, May Mester, they're calling it, uh, yeah. and some of the other guys working out as well. What uh, What are you hearing about uh, those workouts? Well, I'll tell you, I'll give you a little bit on uh, on each guy. So just, uh, you know, Ty Rogers, uh, Brad, Brad Underwood told me he's just fantastic. He's just a stud. He, 
um, just a, a tremendous in workouts, just uh, does everything, uh, everything well. Sky Clark, just a tremendous shooter, um, scorer, just a guy who can put the ball in the basket. Um, Sincere Harris is, uh, according to Underwood, told me that uh, Adam Fletcher told him he's the best athlete they've had on campus since Brad's been here. So um, best pure athlete. You know, obviously he's got to get stronger, um, but he's just a, you know, the fast twitch muscles and the explosion is just off the charts. And then Jay Neps is a, is a, is a scoring machine. Um, this guy can just put the ball in the basket from all three levels. And yeah, he's, uh, you know, he's got the body and strength. That's all those. The one thing about Rogers, Clark and Epps is they come in with the strength to play right away. You know, sometimes college freshmen need that, you know, need to get stronger and, and those guys are all ready to play from a physical standpoint as well. Do have a caller. Let's uh, take this call before we let uh, Brad Sturdy go. Howard in Champaign, go ahead. You're on the air. Yeah, Steve um, and Lauren. I was just wondering how does Lee figure into all of this? Thank we, you. We'll uh, we'll ask Brad Sturdy that uh, talking about uh, Lee, Brandon Lee. And, and just a little comment, you know. Uh, I never really was too impressed with ED at Purdue other than the fact that he was tall. I never thought he was too talented, but I think I think eventually that uh, that ED could do. Just my comments. Okay, thanks, Howard. Uh, Bradley, you got a thought on uh, Lieb and his potential role? Well, I think with Brandon Lee, this is kind of his year to 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 make. If he wants to make an impact, it's got to be this year. Um, he's a he's a kid who obviously has some skills. He's uh, you know seven foot one. He needs to get stronger still, and he needs to kind of put in that extra time to to make himself uh, a player. I, I think he, there is an opening for a backup role, and if he can, maybe he can be that guy. I, I think he's got to show that though over this summer, um, these summer workouts, and then through the through the fall. Because um, right now he just hasn't hasn't gotten it done to the level he needs to in practice day to day. Now maybe that was because he's playing against Kofi Coburn, so uh, maybe, maybe we're judging him unfairly. But um, we'll, we'll see. This is opportunity. Obviously, it's wide open. You know they're very high on Dane Danger, but at the same time, you know there's there's not much, there's not returning minutes in uh, at center position. So if Brandon Lee wants to play, here's your opportunity. You know you were talking about. Um... Coaches not having any off season now. You don't either, do you? When you when you're following uh, basketball recruiting, <laughs> no, there there is no off season. But uh, you know, just kind of uh, maybe a day here or there. That's what you try and hope for. <laughs> so, Illini guys, everything going well there? You, I, I know you're keeping busy with that. Are you happy with the way things have gone in your first uh, yeah. what little over a year? Uh-oh. Yeah, over, you know, we're way ahead of our projections. It's been great to see the growth and uh, really, uh, really excited about the future there. I mean, a lot of good things happening. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, Atlanta guy's been great, and, and we're very happy with the direction it's going. Well, I hope you can get out and play some golf sometime this summer. Maybe we'll run into you somewhere along the way. Well, I hope so. I hope there's a day when I get off, so I get to do that. So, Hey, good. Brad. Thanks. I need a lot of work. <laughs> well, we'll work on that. Well, well, Brad, are you going to be doing any pitching this summer? Um, there's, there's, we're talking about possibly going to a 50 and over tournament and maybe, maybe throwing for a team. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I don't know. I'm not sure yet if my body wants to do that. Is there any NIL money in that for you? <laughs> Um, I think it's just beer money. That's all you get. <laughs> you get it's a beer. So that's it. Hey, at, so. some, at some point, you you take what you can get, right? Thanks, Brad. That is true. That is true. Hey, we appreciate your time, as always. Thanks. Thanks, guys. You bet.
Brad Sturdy from Illini Guys. Check them out, IlliniGuys.com. They, they cover Illinois athletics uh, very, very well. Speaking of covering situations very, very well, our friends at the Pella Window Store in Champaign, Illini Pella, uh, is the place to go if you're looking for new windows or replacement uh, doors for your home. Their showroom is located at 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. That's where you can see the products firsthand right there in person. You can discover the wood windows, the uh, between the glass blinds, the fiberglass entry doors they have there. One thing I will point out is if you are thinking about a project like that this uh, summer, um, give yourself some lead time, get out there and check it out because they're having, uh, like a lot of businesses if you've tried to order things uh, things are tough to get these days with the uh, supply situation the way it is so they might need a little more lead time but they're standing by ready to take care of you they're rated number one by champagne homeowners as the window brand that can improve the value of your home they know all about what type of window or door works best with each unique home and working with them is easy from uh, the start to the finish, they'll be there to help you along the way from the actual shopping to the installation. The showroom is at 1001 North Country Fair Drive. They're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 4, Saturday by appointment. Check them out online as well at PellaOfChampagne.com for Mike Mary and his team at the Pella Window Store. 9.56 is the time as we wrap up the uh, first hour of the Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talks. Uh, sports talk a couple of texts have come in here since we were talking uh, one texter thinks that uh, Coleman Hawkins uh, is a matchup nightmare for Purdue and Michigan if he's playing at center not sure I agree with that but uh, this uh, texter says Illinois will be quick enough to double down they're going to have to yeah on those two I mean Edie is just going to score on you that's the one he's going to stand in there and take high passes and turn around and put it in I mean, you got to have somebody that it's going to take two to stop him. Another text says uh, Dane may have to come off the bench for playing time with Coleman at the five. I don't think we've established that Coleman's going to be the starter at the five by any means. And Meyer at the four. I'm not sure Meyer's going to be the four. So there's well, a. If I remember the end of the season, uh, Coleman Hawkins didn't play very much in the last game, did he? I mean, that's correct. He, uh, and he showed no ability to hit the three and. And was not a good free throw shooter. I don't know where uh, all of a sudden he is supposed to be a superstar here. I mean, he's he's going to have to battle for playing time. I mean, you got two veterans coming in here who play defense. Right. So we know that about Meyer and Shannon. They really play strong defense. They're athletic enough. They're experienced enough. They're tough enough. And uh, I think those two positions are taken. It is uh, 9.57, and we need to take a break. We'll do that and come back with hour number two of the show. Will Leach will lead us off in hour number two. We'll also talk to Mike Kuhn about 10.30. And uh, later on in the show, if you uh, got up and missed hearing the comments from uh, Matthew Meyer, who was transferring uh, from Baylor to Illinois, we'll maybe play those comments again for you later coming up in the next hour. We'll take a break and be back with more after this. My name is Denise Martin. I'm a diehard Illini fan and admittedly love the Cubs. When it comes to financial planning, most financial companies ask, what's your salary? At Kirby Wealth Management Group, we ask, what's your story? We know building the right financial plan means looking at more than money. That's why we start by asking the right questions, listening to what matters most to you, then guiding you every step of the way to help you live the life you want now and years from now. 
Call us today at 217-355-9390. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Ten minutes, uh, rather two minutes past ten o'clock as we head towards 11 o'clock, 217-356-9397 is the phone number. Thanks to our guests in the uh, first hour of the show, Illini golf coach Mike Small, and to Brad Sturdy from IlliniGuys.com. Leading off hour number two with uh, Will Leach. Going to talk some baseball and some college sports as well with uh, Will, as we do about uh, once a month. Good morning, Will. How are you? Very well. Happy Memorial Day weekend, gentlemen. Yeah, same to you, and uh, always a fun uh, weekend to watch baseball, and uh, I know you're a a Cardinal fan. Let's get your assessment of... uh, what the Cardinals have done or not done, depending on your point of view, <laughs> at uh, this point in the season. They're 25-20, and 20, three and a half games behind Milwaukee, and uh, they've got some guys on the injured list, and uh, I don't think Cardinal fans are quite sure what they have yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure the Cardinals are quite sure uh, what they have yet either, which I would argue actually is, if you'll, if you'll bear with me, perhaps progress, <laughs> which is to say, you know, I think one of the things that the Cardinals uh, for better or for worse, you know, the Cardinals are a franchise that puts a lot of value on continuity for good reason, right? They've basically had a winning record every year for like 20 years. They don't go through those dips that a lot of teams do, but sometimes that can lead to like a little bit of inertia, right? And the idea, I always use the example of a, a longtime Cardinal fan, so we'll remember Alan Craig and Alan Craig, who we all liked Alan Craig, but there was at one point it was very obvious he had whether it was injuries, he was no longer able to hit. But he kept being put in the lineup every single day, regardless, because he's going to get it right. Got to get it right. That was an old uh, mantra of some of the old managers. Got to get our guys right. And even when sometimes they struggled, there was this institutional kind of inertia of that was resistant to change. And I think one thing that's been interesting about the Cardinals this year, for better or for worse, and we'll find out, is, and I think this is actually a pretty attributable to the new manager, Ali Marmol, who I think has been pretty impressive. And I think one of the main things he's done is he's been very straightforward with the media and straightforward with his players to be like, listen, this guy's not performing. If you're not going to perform, you're not going to play on our, uh, We're not going to have a space for you. This is a, it's a results-oriented league. And I think because of that, you're seeing, to me, that when they sit down to Young, I thought that was a pretty a sign that, like, you know, the Cardinals have a lot invested in DeYoung for them to sit him down, I think, said something. The idea that Tyler O'Neill conveniently had a shoulder impingement issue show up right when he was struggling the most. <laughs> the sort of thing that other teams do all the time, that make up an injury to make, to make sure uh, uh, to get a guy going right. And the Cardinals have always been hesitant to do that. They're making some changes. There's little, there's a, there's, it, the Cardinals feel like a work in progress, which on one hand, you'd like them to be fully formed and dominating like a lot of teams, uh, like, like maybe the 0-4 team, for example, or some of these other teams. But on the other hand, I do feel like there's a sense that they're working towards something and they're figuring out what they have. They're giving young players chances. They're trying some new things. I think that is ultimately going to work out for the best. Maybe not even this year, but I do think franchise-wise, I do think there's been a little bit of a institutional change and more willingness to try out new things uh, in a way that I think is going to benefit them ultimately. Well, I I think they work really closely with Memphis and have for a number of years and you know, and I thought something happened last night in in the game that was an indication that 
you know, Gorman hadn't been hitting. He showed he couldn't. He's having some trouble with high fastballs for sure. And uh, they they brought in Sosa to pinch hit in a situation, and the two to nothing lead went to four to nothing because of Sosa. And mm-hmm. normally, you know, you normally you wouldn't think of Sosa batting for Gorman. He's a home run hitter, but he hit 15 in the minors at Memphis, and he didn't hadn't hit any since he came up with the Cardinals. Yeah, and they'd actually just done that very same move uh, the, the other night when when uh, Goldschmidt hit that grand slam walk off. They had actually pinch hit Sosa for Gorman then too because there was a left handed hit, uh, left handed hitter. In the mm-hmm. past, that had been like, "Hey, Gorman's going to prove himself on this stage," and they didn't do that. They're like, "Sosa's a better matchup. We're going with Sosa." I would argue Sosa is a very underappreciated part of this Cardinals team. Actually, I think that he is. He there's a certain electricity that he's in the game that I feel like this team sometimes kind of lacks a little bit. Not that that's always so bad. Goldschmidt is not the most electric player in baseball, but boy, is he hitting like no one else in baseball right now. You don't have to have electricity. But I do think this spark uh, spark like that, particularly this team, can use a spark like that because uh, uh, there is so kind of based in that kind of uh, institutional inertia, and, and we, we, we take care of our own. And I appreciate that for the Cardinals. I'm loving having Pujols, Molina, and Wainwright on, this, on the team for the last year. But with that, you have to have an accompanying kind of like young player spark, and I think you're starting to see that. You know, listen, I know the Brewers are really good, and I think that there is a sense – one of the frustrations with the Cardinals the last few years has been the idea that like they're just trying to win like 87 or 88, maybe 90 games, sneak in the playoffs. And that's enough. Again, because they're in a mediocre division, it usually works. The Brewers are good. <laughs> the Brewers are a legitimately really, really good team. And listen, we'll see what happens with Woodruff. They could end up having more pitching issues with Peralta out than we thought. There could be an opening there. But if the Cardinals like finish second to the Brewers this year, which I think is certainly possible, like you know, if you talk to Brewers, people that cover the Brewers, they think this is the best Brewers team ever. <laughs> like they really think they've got something really special going on. For the Cardinals to be able to hold up with them, I think uh, speaks well to how they're doing, and they may still be able to keep up with them in a lot of ways. So I find myself uh, uh, weirdly encouraged by what the Cardinals are doing, even if they're uh, they're still kind of uh, kind of. Uh, it feels like they get started and then kind of take a step backward. I feel like me, there's, there's still some good stuff going there. Let me tell you when realization really sets in at what the major leagues are about, and that's you come up in the ninth inning of a close game against uh, the Brewers, and they throw Hader at you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. that's not it's, it's, fair. I, mean, I know. I it mean, I, I think the best chance is just don't take a bat up there. Maybe he'll walk you. Well, the, the other night he came in and the uh, Cardinals had a, a hit and a walk, and they had two guys on him, but and that's where he woof. shut the door. Yeah. <laughs> and it felt like this incredible victory to have two guys on against him. <laughs> I know. That's a third hit this so, season yeah. off of him. <laughs> I mean, really, it's, it, it's a remarkable thing. And listen, there's other brewer relievers. Devin Williams has kind of stepped to go a little bit of a setback this year. Uh, Boxberg is pretty good. But, like, it's still always hater, right? And you always know, and, and particularly the Cardinals. Like, uh, hater is great against everyone, but he is – dominant against the Cardinals. I, I just assume that it's over any time that he comes in. So that's a tough team, and I, I do think that gets lost. But I do think that, you know, the Cardinals have tried to – I think Marmol is much more of a Craig Council-like manager than, say, Mike Shelton, definitely Mike Matheny uh, uh, were. And so I think there's there's value in, in, in that as well. And also the Cardinals and Brewers, frankly, have the same – both have the same advantage – they're in a division where three teams are not even bothering to try to be competitive. So <laughs> that's another advantage that they have. There's a lot of wins on the table to be had. Talking to Will Leach, the Cardinals announced their Hall of Fame class of this week. Matt Holliday, Julian Javier, and going way back, I don't even think uh, Lawrence all 
Charles Comiskey in action, but no, I didn't. I did not. <laughs> back in the eighteen whatevers, but uh, Will, your thoughts of uh, those three guys uh, uh, earning the uh, Red Cardinal jackets? Yeah, well, first off, I, I've already adjusted to. Uh, for if anyone's looked at any uh, in mock MLB drafts for this summer, the idea that Matt Holliday's son and Andrew Jones's son right. might mm. be the one in two picks is upsetting. <laughs> I, <will laughs> that I am not old enough yet. I don't think for those two to have their sons be one and two picks. But uh, yeah, I think Holiday. You know, Holiday was always a little kind of under appreciated i think if just because you know first he was coming to be like the set the the second uh tier guy after pools right he's gonna be protection for pools in the lineup and then when pool left he became like the main star but holiday was really his personality isn't like that he's never really he's you know he's he's not really that kind of dominant sort of alpha guy like uh like uh, like like Fuhl says, and I think he was much more willing to kind of like fa- like be a just solid player. He's kind of a Goldschmidt type player, actually. So I think that I think to see uh, him get that appreciation, uh, and you know, one of the bummers about Holiday too. Remember in 2011, he was on that team, but he got hurt, <laughs> and he was actually not. He, the reason that Alan Craig is the guy that caught the fly ball in 2011 to win the World Series, other than Holiday, is Holiday had just gotten hurt earlier in that series. So I think that. Uh, you know, you. Um, I think that for a guy like Holiday, who was just consistent for so long, and frankly was a good free agent acquisition, and those are really rare. <laughs> Goldschmidt's actually starting to look like the same thing for the Cardinals, and I think that uh, uh, there's very similar type of players. Holiday ultimately felt like kind of the way the Cardinals are, right? Like quiet unassuming he's an oklahoma guy he just consistently goes out and does it every day i think that uh, I, I think it makes sense for him to be there it feels eventually it in it, it definitely does make you feel a little older when you start seeing these guys uh, kind of go through holiday feels like he was just there and i think david freeze is probably going to be pretty soon coming up on that list but uh, you know one of the best things about the cardinals uh, that i i think they do a terrific job every year is you know they have that opening day ceremony where they all wear the red jackets and now holiday is going to be out there wearing a red jacket uh, with everyone. Not, no other team can do that. That's a very cool thing. For the Let's uh, talk a little college football. I'm guessing that uh, the upcoming uh, Southeastern Conference <laughs> football media day <laughs> session uh, might be kind of interesting this year. Would you agree? Yeah, I think uh, it's funny to see, you know, uh, someone would joke the other day that, um, that no matter what happens, uh, you, uh, no matter what is happening in college football, it will inevitably get reduced to being a fight between two SEC coaches. <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty much happened. Like NIL is one of the biggest possible things that's happened in college sports in 15 years. And the main storyline is, wow, Jimbo and Saban are mad at each other. <laughs> which which I, I will confess that here in Georgia, I think definitely Kirby Smart's able to enjoy his championship trophy, just kind of eat popcorn and watch those two fight at each other at a certain level. But yeah, you know, that's, that is what they do down here. And, you know, I think that uh, uh, those kind of fights and those kind of, uh, the, the, those kind of, issues listen this is a, the thing about the Saban Jimbo fight is it actually is about something real like this is not just like a person this is not Lane Kiffin getting uh, or Hugh Freeze getting in a, uh, a personality tussle with someone these are real issues <laughs> like I think that I think that whatever one's thoughts about Saban the idea of like okay so what exactly is NIL again and what, what what is the purpose of this and what are we trying to do and also you know how does this fit into the world of college sports altogether this is still something like you know we born you know as much as anyone this is as dramatic a change as the sport has had in such a long period of time these are real things they're fighting about 
but they also hate each other. So <laughs> it's sometimes hard to focus on the bigger issues because of the personality conflicts. Uh, uh, and, and also, it's, you know, it's college football in the South. I mean, everything is personal. <laughs> everything about this is personal. So I think it's sort of a fun thing to happen. I, I will say I do think that someone like Kirby Smart has actually handled this pretty correctly, which is to just kind of stay out of it. Because <laughs> I'm sure, like, listen, this all affects him just as much as it affects any college football coach in the country. But that's uh, – and he also, of course, works with Jimbo Fisher and was also assistant to Nick Saban. He's obviously connected to the situation, but he's staying out of it, which seems like a, seems like a smart play to me. I see a lot of talk about a change in alignment in the Big Ten after this season. What about the SEC, and how long is it going to be? Is there any way Oklahoma and Texas can can break through and come come into the league sooner than they're uh, scheduled? I think that I, I think they're probably not going to. I think, but the reason is not because of the SEC. I think it's because of the alliance schools and the Big 12 and whatever's left of the Big 12 at that point. I think they're worried, understandably, of what happens. Like, they're still preparing for the inevitable Texas-Oklahoma matchup, uh, but uh, I don't think they actually think they're going to be there that quickly. A good example is Georgia actually has Oklahoma on the schedule for 2023 um, as a non-conference game. Everyone assumes that game's not going to happen. Really? <laughs> they, 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 yeah, I think they assume that there's going to be a change in that. They, I don't think they think the SEC. They, I don't think they think Texas, uh, Oklahoma is going to be in the SEC yet by then. But I think the understanding is they're going to be there soon after. The, a lot of the allure of that game loses is lost if they're playing each other in two years. So I think the assumption is that game's probably not going to happen because because the problem is not so much that game. It's that tech that Georgia would then have to go get like Georgia's going to Oklahoma. Oklahoma is supposed to come back to Georgia in like 2028, but they'll be in a conference fight. Uh oh. So, uh -oh. So, yeah, There's so the reason there right there. Yeah. So yeah. So there won't be a reason to do that. So so because of that, uh, uh, certainly. But they they don't think that's because they're going to be in the conference by then. And I think uh, and you know they're they're running into a lot of the same things that frankly the big kids is running into, which is like here in Georgia they are natural rivals with Auburn. Florida and Tennessee, you, but you can't just automatically put those three in a pod together. Florida wants to be in with Alabama, <laughs> like uh, Auburn wants to be in with Alabama. Tennessee wants to wants to be in with Alabama as well. You know, I think that you have to. Uh, it's a really complicated situation to figure out. Are you going to play eight game conference games? Are you going to play nine conference games? The real question, and Lauren, we've talked about this before. Is this ultimately just going to get to the place where, like, there's just four huge conferences and everything is automated? <laughs> and, and I think everything comes together in that way. I think that I don't personally want that. I kind of hope they don't do that, not just because what it do to college football. It makes me nervous about things they might do to college basketball in the wake of that, <laughs> specifically the tournament. That's the thing I always worry about. Uh, you've, you've heard a lot of college basketball writers talk about the idea uh, like every everyone I know that loves college basketball always looks at college football a little ominously because they control everything that goes on in the sport and you worry they're going to mess with something beautiful like the tournament make it more about those major conferences and not like your St. Peter's or your your George Masons and the fun teams with that so it's just a period of massive 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 change in in college sports and from my experience uh, whenever there's a period of massive change if you don't know what's going to happen. Follow what will make the most people rich. That's what they'll choose. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. what they'll choose. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, so uh, I think that uh, uh, if you're looking, if you're looking to make make predictions on what's going to happen, figure out what will make the most money. Well, I, I can tell That's you right now, each league, each conference is going to try to figure out 
whatever way possible to get the most teams in a 12-team playoff if the 12-team playoff comes in night in 2026. I mean, they're just that that's going to be the decision maker and, and that's going to affect the Big 10 especially because otherwise the Big 10 would like to the I know the seven members in the Western Division would like to keep everything the same. But but that's going to that, that uh, idea of of getting maybe as many as three teams in the 12-team playoff is going to affect how they align in the future. That's the way it yeah, is. Yeah, and you know, and and and, and the, you realize there's so many competing interests on this. I mean, as a college football fan, like I live in the South, I like the SEC, but I don't want to be see six or seven of the playoff teams be from the SEC, even if they're actually six or seven of the best teams in the country. I don't want to see that. You see that all year. But like, I guarantee you. The SEC, which again is along with the Big Ten, the most powerful conference in in, co- in college sports, and really considering how the NCAA has kind of been pushed out of this process, the most powerful people in college sports, uh, they are fighting specifically for that. Just as you're saying, to get as many teams in there as possible. And I don't know, I there, I think one worry that always ha- comes up with college sports is the idea if, you, if uh, so much power is concentrated in the SEC and to the Big Ten as well, but really, like, largely, certainly the momentum is involved with the SEC. As more and more power gets concentrated in that and the people in charge of the SEC have more and more power over college sports, does this, is the sport in danger of becoming a regional sport <laughs> in that regard? If, 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 it, if there's too much power in the South, I mean, I, I think you see that. I mean, how many SEC championship games have we seen repeated in the national championship games? I think people don't like that. I think people get kind of exhausted by it. Uh, but uh, uh, the fans aren't the ones they're thinking about <laughs> in this situation. Like, they're thinking about themselves. And with no overarching authority in charge of everything, uh, they're, they're, they're probably more likely to get what they want. Talking to Will Leach, uh, you mentioned the changing landscape in uh, college sports and much of that uh, reflecting around the NIL and the transfer portal and such. And your favorite uh, college basketball team is going to look a whole lot different uh, with uh, new people coming in. Matthew Meyer, the uh, latest, the uh, transfer from Baylor. Uh, Another transfer, Terrence Shannon, of course, going to be here as well. And uh, both those guys benefiting from NIL. And uh, just your thoughts on those guys in particular and just kind of what uh, the landscape is looking like now as we get a little further down the road. Listen, you know, we, we could all talk about the landscapes of college sports and what this all means and what's all changing and so on. One thing I could definitely say as an Illini alum and a Illini fan, uh, it's benefiting Illinois, so I like it. <laughs> Which is to say, like, I think there is something to be said about the idea, like my, I, I don't know uh, how much if, how much people pay attention to Baylor. I'm just a guy that played in the national championship, won a national championship, and I think would have been welcomed back at Baylor if he had the opportunity. The idea that you know he was choosing between Memphis, the place that gets every recruit, North Carolina, which is North Carolina, and Illinois, and he chose Illinois because of fit and because he believed in what Illinois is doing and NIL, of course. <laughs> and so I think that that is that. I, I gotta say, I, I've been watching. We've all been watching Illinois basketball for a long time. It always feels like these guys go somewhere else, doesn't it? <laughs> no, it feels like Illinois finishes second, or it's so close. Oh, if they'd have gotten Meyer, if they'd have gotten this guy, then this guy to get him, to get him and Shannon. You know, whatever your thoughts about those players, I think Shannon is really good. Meyer, I think, speaks to what kind of fun team this is going to be and the way they're going to play next year. They're both, both him and Shannon are transition players in a way that I think will, will be different for Illinois and may have some growing pains, but will certainly be enjoyable to watch. I think it could really pay off at the end of the year. 
I think it speaks to the fact that, like, listen, a year ago, it was a, more than, a little more than a year ago, Illinois was losing its assistant coaches. Uh, Iowa was leaving. They thought Kofi might be transferring. And it looked like this was all going aground uh, in the wake of, uh, of the Loyola loss. And now it looks like, like Illinois looks like a major player in so many things right now in a way that I'm frankly, it's been a long time since Illinois has been this kind of player in this. So uh, it's exciting. We'll see about how, how everything fits. But right now, talented players who have a lot of options are choosing Illinois. That is a nice place to be back at. Well, I tell you, no, no small factor. You, you mentioned that the assistant coaches left. The one guy they brought in, Tim Anderson, who has real ties in, in Chicago. And by the way, um, Meyer spent the last month in Chicago uh, trying to train for the NBA. But if you go back to Tim, uh, the, the impact that Tim Anderson has had with Dane Danger, Ty Rogers, Sky Clark, Sky Clark's brother, younger brother, Terrence Shannon, Matthew Meyer, and uh, – you know, I mean, he's he's been involved with so many of these guys. Morez Johnson, the, who's on the way, he'll be a junior this year, I believe. Um, he, uh, I mean, Tim Anderson is a huge factor, and, and I don't mean to discount Underwood in any way. Underwood is is the leader, but bringing in Tim Anderson in, in the ten months he's been here, that that's a a huge help, I think. Without question, to the point where I want to make sure that I, if you ever see Tim Anderson. Uh, and John Calipari in the neck in the same room, separate them <laughs> immediately and get them far away from one another. Because I think you're right. I think I think it speaks to and I, listen. That speaks so well. To, obviously, it speaks well to Anderson. It speaks so well for Underwood too, right? Like the whole there were uh, there were national college basketball people when Illinois lost those two assistant coaches. Thought, oh well, so they had go. a nice run. Yeah. They had a nice run, but like this is what Illinois is, right? They they're going to be a feeder places for these places to rebuild back and get a guy that now like everyone's going to be after, and uh, I think it's exciting because a either you get him to stay or you you have proof of concept now, and I think that's what you want. You know, I think everyone's fear after the kind of two after the after the tournament loss to Loyola, and even to a lesser extent, the tournament loss to Houston was the idea that like, well, we had Io and Kofi, and we had. Frazier for four years and DeMonte for five years and DeMonte for five years and special set of circumstances that led for this to happen. It was great. It's a bummer they didn't get along in the tournament. But hey, there are two bit there this is what happens when you have two numbers retired in the rafters. You you have like these great teams. I don't know how you recover from that. It was a one time thing. It's clearly not a one time thing. There's something else being built. Something that, frankly, may be closer to the personality of kind of what Underwood wants his team to be anyway, uh, in, a, in a way I think it's pretty exciting to watch. There will be growing pains, particularly with the young backcourt, but I think there's reason to be excited. And uh, I'm, as you can tell, I'm excited. <laughs> well, what else are you working on these days? So I just turned in the new book. I just turned in my new, I have a new book uh, coming out next May. The paperback version of How Lucky just came out. It should be at your local bookstores. My, uh, my, my, my book, How Lucky, it is ever, wherever you can, you can find it on Amazon or wherever you want to find it. But my, my new book comes out next year. It's called The Time Has Come. It's another novel, and I finished it. I'm waiting for my editor to get back with me with changes. Uh, but it is a beautiful day in Athens, Georgia. We are going to hang out at the pool, and if my editor sends me changes back today, I'm going to pretend I didn't see them because I'm going to enjoy <laughs> being outside today. It's a beautiful Memorial Day weekend. I was going to ask you about that process. When you when you say you turned the book in, um, I'm always interested what happens next, and you kind of explained that, but uh, I'm sure it takes time to, to to touch all the bases, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the hard part with fiction is everything has to connect. 
Like in real life, in real life, if someone does something out of character or strange or unusual, we're just like, well, yep, life's a rich pageant. Strange things happen all the time, and we just kind of move on. In fiction, everything has to connect, and everything has to make sense. If someone does something on page five, it has to pay off on page four or five. That is, takes a lot of time. <laughs> that takes a lot of time and a lot of effort, and, uh, and, and it takes a village, as they say. So there's a lot of people that will be working on it. But uh, I'm fortunate to have those people in my corner to correct all my mistakes and make me look smarter than I actually am. <laughs> you also do a, a newsletter. Tell the people how they could get uh, involved in that. Yeah, that actually will be going out shortly after this phone call. Uh, after this interview, it's, uh, I have a, a, a new weekly newsletter. It's free. It's, uh, it's William F. Leach, L-E-I-T-T-H dot substack dot com. You can type in Will Leach newsletter. It's free. It has links to everything I wrote that week in a big original essay. Uh, there's about some of the things that we've all experienced in the last week and some of the sadness that's, uh, uh, that, that's particularly for, for parents of fourth graders like I am. Uh, it's been a very, very difficult week, but uh, uh, that, that, that newsletter is free. It comes out every, every Saturday and hopefully has some, uh, some good stuff for people to read. Hey, Will, we appreciate your time. As always, have a good holiday weekend. Absolutely. You guys too. Thanks, Will. That's Will Leach. It is 1027. We'll take a break here as we approach the uh, bottom of the hour. Be back with more. We'll have the phone lines open. 217-356-9397. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk is back after this. It is 1031. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Chugging along towards 11 o'clock here as usual. Our next guest drove in in a car that says... uh, has a license plate that says Indy CR6. He has an IndyCar polo shirt on. We're going to call him an IndyCar expert, our friend Mike Coon. Is he driving this week? He, he's driving. He's on the way. To, he stopped here first. He's going to see how long it takes to drive from uh, Fox Drive to the Indy 500 for the 30th is it the 30th straight? It's not 30th straight year, is There's it? There's an asterisk it's, because yeah. of COVID. Right. I know, I know, you know, our buddy Mike Hulvey, uh, who also is a IndyCar guy, he did go over and sit in the parking lot across from the uh, the Speedway in 2020. But uh, so, yeah, I've gone every year except for the COVID year since 92. So in that year they had the race but with no fans, right? Correct. Yeah. And they, they announced, you know, they delayed it till August, and they announced about two weeks before. I mean, it was going to be limited fans. So about 60,000, which seems like a lot, but the place holds 230,000. Um, and then they announced a couple weeks before that uh, Marion County was up in COVID cases and they didn't have fans at Let all. Let me get this straight. Your friend drove over in a car and sat there while the race was going. He couldn't see it. He just wanted to be close to it. He did because he has a streak. <laughs> There's something Keep about the streak. Keep the streak alive. <laughs> there are people. I mean, that is a big deal that you you go every year. And okay. You've got, a, you've got a streak. So they, I my streak's at 30 with the asterisk, but they didn't want to. He didn't, Mike Colby did not want to. Yeah. Did not want to asterisk. I know Mike pretty well, and that sounds uh, <laughs> sounds exactly like something he would do. So you have seats. Near the start finish, right? Correct, correct. And, and you've had those for a while? Uh, since, uh, I think, 2004. I know I was in those seats in 2006 because uh, I was a Sam Hornish fan, and they came down to the end of that race. Michael Andretti led, and then Marco passed him for the lead, and he led going into the fourth turn, and Sam Hornish Jr. passed um, Marco Andretti going to the uh, start finish line, and I'm the only person with my arms raised. Everybody else was rooting for Marco. I was Sam Hornish, <laughs> and you can pick me out of the of the picture from the from the finish. 
because I'm the one that has my hands raised, excited about the fact that Hornish won that race. Well, who was <laughs> who was your influence uh, along the way growing up? Maybe your folks, I don't know, but your influence to to get into th- to being such a fan of this well, event. Our family always watched it. Of course, it was tape delay Sunday night yeah, of yeah. the race. Uh, I know my brother and I were really into it. You know, that my my brother liked to draw uh, race cars, and so we we decided. In 1991, that we were going to put in for tickets, and uh, you know we were excited. And it was a time where not everybody that put in for tickets could get tickets uh, in those days. But uh, we got in for tickets, and we we went in '92, and and I've gone ever since. Well, talk about those numbers in in attendance. Is uh, 232,000 seats correct? And they're within 10 of filling it. That's what uh, that's what Doug Bowles said, who's the president of the Speedway. Okay. As of Friday, they were expected to almost sell out. Now that that doesn't include there's general admission tickets. We don't know how many of those are out, but they estimated 50 to 70 thousand probably people will be on property. Is uh, that standing? Correct. Yeah, so they have mounds. There is there's actually a concert uh, that goes on in the Snake Pit, which is inside of Turn Three, mm-hmm. and they had a concert there on Friday. Rick Springfield. Uh, uh, was one of the people that that, that sang. Uh, but, I mean, I don't know how many people you can fit in there, but you can fit a lot. There'll be people that won't even watch the race that are inside. Um, and then there's the mounds that you can sit on to, to actually watch the race inside. Okay, who are the favorites? And who is your favorite? <laughs> well, of course, this was the fastest Indy 500 pole speed ever. Scott Dixon, 234, 234 miles per hour over. Um, he had a lap of 234.7, so almost 235. Uh, he's looking for his second uh, win, and I would guess he and all the Chip Ganassi teams are probably your favorites. Uh, so he's starting on pole. Alex Pillow, who had that battle last year with Elio Castroneves, um, is starting second. And then Marcus Erickson, also on the team, is starting fourth. And Tony Kanaan as well. They, they had four of the six, top six in the, in the fast six. And then the the real story of the uh, of the month, uh, other than there's there's two really ones. Elio Castroneves is going after his fifth 500, um, and that's uh, nobody's ever won five. He won his fourth, was the fourth uh, driver to win four last year. But he's starting 27th, uh, and he's driving for a team in Meyer Shank that uh, has a technical alliance with Andretti Autosport, which is typically has been very good at the Speedway. They have not been as good. Uh, this year for whatever reason and so I would say uh, it would be tough for Elio to win so the other the other big story is Jimmy Johnson seven-time NASCAR uh, champion moving over to IndyCar last year he decided just to do the road races and this year he said you know uh, I want to do the ovals and he finished sixth at Texas and has had one of the top five or six speeds every day of the month he brushed the wall a little bit in qualifying. He's starting 12th, and that would be a story uh, if he happens to win the 500. And there's only been there's two other people that have won the Indy 500 and the Daytona 500, Mario Andretti and A.J. Foyt. And both of those were IndyCar drivers who dabbled in NASCAR. Now we have a NASCAR driver that's dabbling in IndyCar and doing so in his mid-40s. Um, and so that will be a big story to, to really if watch. You had, he's, play, he's, he's driving for the dominant team this year. Okay. If you had an 80-to-1 shot, <laughs> <laughs> who would it be? Uh, Who's at the back of the pack that might come out of? Well, I mean, the one they 
Elio would not be the the eighty to one, but he's starting twenty seventh out of. Oh boy, that's pretty far back. That is very far back. Uh, you don't count him out. Uh, Graham Rahal has run really well at the Speedway, but the Rahal Letterman Lanigan uh, team has been they've they've not had it. So well, what's what's uh, furthest back anybody ever won? It's in from. the twenties. Um, in the twenties, okay. Yeah. But it's not unusual. Uh, Ryan Hunter Ray won from 14th, or uh, Simon Pagino won from back in that in 2019. The 20s is tough. Now, last year, Pagino was able to come from about where Elio is, and he finished third, and had, had the race gone another two or three laps, may have won. Um, so it's a, it's, you know, it's a long shot, but you, you, through strategy, you can probably work your way up there. Who's your all-time favorite driver? Well, I was a Hornish fan. Um and then uh, my driver now is Joseph Newgarden, and uh, he has he's not won. He's won two IndyCar championships, uh, but uh, he would be another guy that I think has a chance to win this year. So uh, it's tough but to o- say but all over, time. Yeah, yeah, so over time. Over time. I mean, you look at a guy, uh, you know, Rick Mears back in the 80s, uh, was th- that he was the driver uh, in in my childhood. Right. Uh, that was really good. So you probably have to look at him. I'll never get over AJ Foyt. <laughs> when I was, when I got involved in it at first, I used to go to Chicago when I lived in Hammond. I used to go to Chicago and see it in a theater, if you can believe that. Okay. <laughs> and AJ has been, uh, yeah, I think he won three or four times, didn't he? He won four. Uh, and and the thing that's amazing about AJ is he's won Le Mans, he's won Daytona, he's won Indianapolis. He's uh, he's run you know plus his personality his personality right and he's uh, if you if you uh, you know Google AJ Foyt and near death he's been attacked by bees he's had his bulldozer uh, tip over he actually was was pretty much left for dead at a road race in 1965 whoa um, and Parnelli Jones uh, you know he saw he was you know they basically thought he was he was dead after this accident and it turned out he had mud that was jammed in his throat and uh parnelli jones went over and was able to basically save his life and to do that and no kidding he's had you know on the track and off the track he's he's managed and he's 87 uh and still going strong (laughs) you uh told us uh before we uh, came back from commercial that you're going to head over tomorrow morning but it's you're just going back, right? You've been there uh, earlier this week. Yeah, and, you know, it's very unusual. Uh, usually I'm there four or five times during the month, uh, but was over for Carb Day on Friday. And, uh, they, you know, it's a celebration. They have the concert. They've got the pit stop competition. Um, and it's the final practice for uh, – there was an hour-and-a-half practice on Friday. And uh, it's like the beginning of summer in Indianapolis, and they'll regularly have, you know, 100,000 people just for a practice day. Uh, for for carb day, so I was over there on Friday. Let me throw a curveball at you. What are the changes you're going to make in the IHS IHSA basketball tournament next year? You're in, you're one of the <laughs> guys in control of that. Tell me. <laughs> I don't know that there's. Uh, I mean, there there'll be some there's things that they'll uh, I'm sure tweak. I don't know that the format's going to change. Um, we want to hold on to that the championship Saturday. You want to hold on to the consolation games, right? I think that's the plan. Yeah, that yeah. would be the plan. As long as you do that, you you don't have an ideal way to schedule it. Not really. No, that is true. Talking to Mike Kuhn, who also does some radio work. Mike uh, wears a lot of hats around 
this community. And I, I mention that because being a uh, radio guy and having a radio background and being such a fan of the Indianapolis 500, is there a, a bucket list on uh, your uh, wavelength to, to be involved somehow at some time with the uh, the radio broadcast of the Indy 500? That would certainly be. Now, I, uh, uh, through a number of channels, befriended the uh, Wally Levitt, who was the radio, the person in charge of the radio network, and uh, and I had a silver badge for a number of years when he was the uh, was in charge and got to go back to the garage area and, and up in the pagoda and all that. But, yeah, it would be that would be a dream, I guess, to be somehow affiliated with, uh, with the – Indianapolis Radio Network. We could, uh, Mike Coon out here in the pits. And <laughs> yeah, well, by, by the way, uh, speaking of uh, broadcasting, uh, you, you've got the women's basketball. Boy, she's, uh, Shawna Green's bringing in a lot of people, isn't she? And she just brought in a, uh, a junior, six foot six junior college Correct. transfer who hasn't shown much based on statistics, but she keeps, and she's brought in a number of players from Dayton. Right, a couple of players, uh, certainly from Dayton, and, and as well as Genesis Bryant from NC State, who was a Dayton recruit, chose NC State over Dayton, so it, uh, she had uh, an in on her connection. Had a connection, right? And uh, you know, the the, uh, the latest one, six six, uh, from Senegal. I mean, that's the type of player that we really need is is a player that size that can be dominant inside, and so. Hopefully uh, she can develop and and uh, and be a really big uh, piece for Shonda Green's team. That's Mike Coon. We appreciate your time. We'll uh, sure. We'll look for you on TV tomorrow. Okay, <laughs> we're looking forward to it. It'll be. It's uh, we've had rain a lot of the month. Um, and yeah, it's supposed to be a nice any, day. Tomorrow. Any possibility for rain tomorrow? I don't believe so. It's uh, it's going to be warmer. It'll you know it's not won't be the warmest for sure, but uh, it's going to be really an ideal an ideal day for for the race. Indianapolis 500 coming up tomorrow. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Let's uh, go to the phones here real quick. Steve has been hanging on to um, talk a little basketball. Steve in Princeton. Go ahead, Steve. You're on the air. Hey, good morning, guys. Yeah, I've been listening to this, trying to figure out the depth chart for the Illinois <laughs> basketball team next year. Okay. And one thing I would do, and it's kind of uh, out-of-the-box type of recruiting, but say Antonio Reeves at Illinois State. I've heard college coaches say you only develop when you get game action you know you develop some in practice and so forth but you develop with game action Antonio Reeves played 30-35 minutes now he gets to play his last two years at Kentucky you know Luke Goody for example think if he'd been playing 35 minutes a game for Ball State or somewhere in Indiana and then all of a sudden hey I'm a junior I can use the transfer portal and I can go on to, to bigger things I don't think he develops sitting on the bench and just practice. Well, I think there's something to that. You need to play in the games, there's no doubt. And that might be an ongoing, uh, the way things are shaping out with uh, the uh, transfer portal and the NIL. Maybe that's an up-and-coming strategy for guys to look at. Because I know Joe Hendrickson wrote a column about eight or or ten kids in the state of Illinois have been offered scholarships to Illinois State. And one of the things they say, hey, you know, come play for us, develop your game. We'll give you your blessings if you want to leave after your junior, senior year. But you get them for a couple of years and develop them just like junior colleges. And then, you know, the portal, they can transfer. No, don't have to sit out. You've got NIL money. I mean, to me, that's the way to go. I tell you one thing. When you go to Kentucky or you go to North Carolina or you go to Duke, you got competition. 
You got heavy competition for playing. I don't care how many points Reeves averaged for Illinois State. He'll probably play at Kentucky, but there have been players with high uh, ratings that went to Kentucky and didn't play. Anything else, Steve? Right. Well, then the other thing was, I think Illinois finally has found their niche with the NIL, going back to slush fund days. When they've got all this money now with the Guardians and stuff, they can do it legally, whereas before they couldn't do it but wanted to do it. All right. We appreciate your call. Certainly uh, changes uh, or, or the landscape. Or wanted to do it and did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you say that about a lot of people. A lot of, That's right. <laughs> thanks, Steve. We appreciate it. Good to hear okay, from you. Thanks, guys. Yep. 1047. We'll take a break here in uh, just a moment. When we come back, we'll have uh, some more of those comments, a little bit of a replay of comments from uh, Matthew Meyer transfer from Baylor. If you missed it off the top of the show, we'll have that for you after this. Stay with us. 1049, Illini Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We're here for another 10 or 11 minutes until 11 o'clock. Hey, check out the um, Memorial Day weekend sale going on at Game Day Spirit, uh, your Illini fan store, the holiday weekend. You can shop for great deals on Illini gear. They've got hats, sweatshirts, basketball jerseys, and much more on sale. Go to gamedayspirit.com or stop by either one of their two locations. They've got an orange block eye hat on sale. A good price there for those hats. Also, Illini volleyball fleece uh, uh, sweatshirts, Illini basketball jerseys, some of those with uh, familiar names on the back. So stop by game day spirit to go online to shop their Memorial Day holiday weekend sale and they've got a, a Thursday sale all summer long summer Thursday sale so keep uh, track of that as you uh, move along throughout the summer 1050 we've still got the phone line open 217-356-9397 we let off the show with the news that uh, Matthew Meyer from uh, Baylor 6'9 athlete, averaged 10 points a game, just under 10 points a game last year for the Bears and played on their national championship team as well. He has decided to uh, pick Illinois, as it turned out, over Texas Tech, uh, North Carolina, and Memphis to play his final year of college basketball. And uh, we uh, offer our thanks to uh, Mark Mosley, the Mark Mosley Show down in Waco, Texas. He had uh, Matthew Meyer on last night, and here is some of what he had to say. Uh, being the place for me I wanted to go to a different conference I obviously didn't want to disrespect coach Drew or Baylor in any way because I have, I have nothing but respect for everybody over there but I mean Illinois they've just they've got everything they've got um I was actually just in Illinois for uh for a month doing the, the pre-draft stuff so I know a lot about the state and uh they've got amazing facilities um I know the NIL is good up there and we've got a team that I think could really shock some people. So it was, uh, it just looked like an awesome decision for me. I obviously know Terrence Shannon. He's a great player that I've been playing against since uh, I was a sophomore. I think he's underrated. Uh, people kind of forget about him, it seems like, and when you're talking about some of the best players in the country. So, um, but as far as the team, I mean, I could go on. Dane, Dane is obviously there. Guy Clark's going to be a top point guard. They've got, they've got a lot of talent and, um, so I think, you know, I'm just going to go there and do my best when it's a basketball school. Um, Big Ten is a great conference. It's right up there with the Big 12. Uh, I mean, really, there there wasn't anything I didn't like about it. So it, it was, a, I wouldn't say an easy decision, but it, it became apparent that that was what I wanted to do. One of the things that was 
kind of interesting was I actually had to finish my degree still. I still have some classes left. And um, so he actually pulled some strings and I'm able to still finish that out. So I'm still actually in Waco doing classes until July 8th. And then um, I'll go up to Illinois. But that that just shows how great of a guy Coach Drew is. Like, even though he knows I'm going to a different school, he's still taking care of me. Even, like, we might play against them, and uh, it's just all love. So that, that really shows what kind of people are at Baylor. That's Matthew Meyer, who is transferring from Baylor to play for Brad Underwood and the University of Illinois. You heard him say there he'll be here in March, or March. Hopefully he'll still be playing in March. He'll be here in July after finishing up school down there. I wouldn't be surprised if Illinois sells out based on the information of Shannon and Meyer coming, would you? I would not be surprised I mean, either. this is going to be a really exciting, and I don't know how it's going to turn out. They've got a good schedule again, and they're going to play 20 Big Ten games, and it's, uh, it's going to be uh, really interesting uh, to see how uh, Underwood puts it together. I mean, he's got some real... I mean, it, it'll work itself out. If you practice long enough, you figure out who the best players yeah, are. Yeah, I like to, Steve from Princeton mentioned he's been uh, kind of penciling in the, the roster and trying to figure out a, a depth chart, which is hard to do. And uh, one of the best quotes I have I ever picked up from a coaching friend was from Mike Small, and it can apply to, to this as well. Mike Small always says, I said, how do you decide who's in your rotation? He <laughs> says, the golf ball does the talking. <laughs> you bet. Well, in this case, the basketball is going to do the talking, yeah. right? Yeah. So he'll roll it out there. And this, There's also this consideration. In, in, in golf, it's just a score. I mean, whoever scores the best is going to play. But in basketball, there's so many other right. factors. Golf, you don't play defense, right? You're, 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 you, you can't uh, control what your other guy does. In this, we're getting two good defensive players at Illinois. Yeah. That's the big thing for me. They're going to rebound. I mean, they're not great rebounders. Uh, Meyer, 6'9", he averaged about five rebounds a game last year. He was the fifth rebounder on their team. He was not the leading rebounder. He was the fourth or fifth each of the last two years. And uh, he averaged five rebounds a game, which is okay. It's, it's, but it's not 10, you know. And so I, it looks to me like you've got some guys that fit in good with the team but aren't going to be – 20-point scores, you know, they're not going to be. That's not what they are. But they're good all-around players, and if you get enough of those guys, then you got a, the teamwork's going to be the key. And, we, you know, Illinois had – you could call, say Illinois had teamwork, but, but the teamwork before was all trying to get the ball to Kofi. I mean, that's what it was, basically. And now it's a, it, the teamwork's going to be altogether different. And they're going to have to make shots, and they're going to have to develop that mid-range game that I talk about all the time. Uh, the interesting thing about Myers, he's got 39.5 on threes as a the previous year, right. but this year 32.4. So he's fallen off on three-point shooting, but he's capable. And, um, and we don't know the quality of those shots, and we don't know, you know, just how that how that why he fell off a little bit. But we see guys fall off. I mean, Williams fell off dramatically this year yep. as a three-point shooter for Illinois, and we don't have. I don't know any excuse, reason for it except that he was incredibly hot the pre, the, the year before. Yep. It is ten fifty-five, and you take one final break. We'll do that and be back with some final words on this edition of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. 
Mike Mary and his team at the Pella Window and Door Store want to thank you for what's been an incredible year so far. Looking for the right window and door for your next project from replacement, remodeling, or new construction? Go see them now. If you got a project later this year or into 2022, now is the time to start the conversation. The Pella Window and Door Store, easy to find, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign, or visit them online PellaofChampagne.com. A couple of minutes before 11 o'clock. How are you picking that Cubs and White Sox tonight on, on the south side, huh? But and that, why didn't they play Friday? Well, I, we think we figured it out because it's only a two-game series. Yeah, I, I understand that part. But can well, you imagine not playing on a Friday? Friday. I mean, baseball is played on a Friday. I guess the other option is you, you wouldn't have a game on Sunday if you did it that way. But <laughs> Well... Okay. But yeah, they play tonight. They did not play last night. Cardinals beat the Brewers last night. Cardinals are now 25 and 20. They play an afternoon game today down at Bush Stadium. Yeah, Libertor is going to pitch, huh? He is. He's the uh, starter for today's ball game. Big Ten tournament. Uh, in case you missed it, uh, Illinois was eliminated last night. Lost two games in the Big Ten tournament. Eight to one was the final last night. Game going on right now. Iowa leads Penn State four to one. That game in the uh, top of the fifth innings. It's just been a really bad finish to the season for the golf team, for the women's golf team, for softball. They lost their last five games. Baseball loses two straight. In the, I mean, it's just not a good finish this, this month for the uh, Illinois teams, this, the spring team. We had Mike Small on the show uh, earlier in the first hour. He was uh, participating in the senior PGA, missed the cut, but some of his guys are playing on the Corn Ferry Tour, and they all made the cut. Up in Glenview, uh, Glenview, Illinois, at the Glen Club, Nick Hardy is tied for second. Michael Fiegels is five under and tied for 38th with Luke Guthrie, by the way, and Dylan Meyer also in that event as well. So uh, they made the weekend, and they all get going. That's going to take uh, care of this show. We uh, thank our guests, the aforementioned uh, Mike Small, along with Brad Sturdy from IlliniGuys.com, Will Leach, and Mike Kuhn as well. For Lauren Tate and our executive producer, Dave Leak, I'm Steve Kelly. Thanks for listening on WDWS and 93.9 FM. Have a great weekend.